You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Well, our passage this morning comes from Matthew, and in it, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he tells them that they are the salt and that they are the light. Now, concerning salt, at that time, the main source of salt was the Dead Sea. Salt was harvested by the Hebrew people by pouring the salt water into pits and letting the water evaporate. Salt was a hot commodity, and it was used to preserve food and to treat wounds. Eating together was called sharing salt. And Jesus is giving a warning here in the scripture. If you don't take up your mission, you'll be useless. Now concerning light, at the time they did not have candles. They had lamps that were made of pottery that had a linen wick, and they burned olive oil or other types of oil. If a person could afford it, they let the lamp burn through the night. Lamps were placed up on lamp stands to share light and prevent fires. And in the scripture, it will say, don't put it under a bushel because the lights um, light up the whole home. This metaphor that Jesus is using depicts God as the source of light, having given that light to the church, God's people. We are the light not for our sake, but for the sake of the world. We are the light in the midst of darkness. Barb? Today's scripture comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. People do not light a lamp and put it under a bushel basket. Rather, they put it on the lampstand and give its light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You are the salt of the earth. Now, my favorite story about salt, uh, the all-time favorite story that I've probably told you when I was here before, um, is about when I just finished up my first year of college, I was working for the Lake Louise camp up north. And I was working in the kitchen, and um, about two weeks in, they asked me if I, who had absolutely no experience in doing what I was doing, would be the assistant head cook. And I said, okay. They said, well, you have leadership potential, and I think that meant that I was bossy. And uh, then I took that job on, and then July 4th, the head cook quit, which made me, at 19 years old, the head cook of the kitchen. So every day for lunch, we made cookies, and um, one day we were making molasses cookies. Now, you know, you make molasses cookies, you roll them in a ball, and then you roll them into sugar. 
except when the salt and the sugar and the flour bins are all right next to each other. And instead of rolling the cookies into sugar, you roll them into salt. It doesn't taste good. In fact, um, one person asked if, they were, um, if we had put rat poisoning in the cookies. And so we instead gave everybody uh, popsicles, and I recognize that a little bit of salt goes a long way, but a lot of salt really goes a long way. A whole bunch makes a difference. You are the light of the world. Now, my favorite story about this may be yours as well. It's Christmas Eve, right? On Christmas Eve, we each have a candle, and we light the candle from the Christ candle at the Advent wreath, and one candle lights the whole room. It's beautiful, and when we all lift our lights together, what a huge difference it makes. I love thinking about the impact how one light can produce so much more light, how one grain of salt can produce so much flavor, how one of us can be the light that inspires others to shine. It seems like every town, every small town, has that one person, the loner type, the Boo Radley figure kind of character that everyone talks about, but no one really knows. In Lexington, Michigan, that man was Old Mike. He lived in a one-room shack off the creek and had a rusted-out old pickup truck in the front of his house. Old Mike didn't have any family. He kept to himself, didn't have much money. Now, Jeff, who told me this story, grew up in Lexington, and the town was very special to him. He had wonderful memories there, especially at Halloween. The town was beautifully decorated. There was always fall in the air and the leaves turning, and he would trick-or-treat at each house, and he always went to old Mike's house. Not because it was the scariest, but because he gave away full-size candy bars. That's right, old Mike saved all year long to give each child of Lexington a full-size candy bar. You'd walk into his one-room house, and old Mike would sit at the table and hand each child a full-size candy bar. It made each kid feel special, and old Mike became a legend. Now, Jeff was recently back in his hometown of Lexington, and he was talking to a friend of his who still lived there about old Mike. He said, remember old Mike? And his friend said, well, sure, yeah. Remember how he would give out those full-size candy bars? Of course I do. He's a legend today. What do you mean? Well, when old Mike died 50 years ago, he left all that he had to the firehouse for the purpose of giving out full-size candy bars to each child at Halloween. To this day, everyone ends Halloween at the firehouse where they get a full-size candy bar and a party. Well, my friend said, how is it possible that old Mike left that kind of money? Well, what happened is, for the first years, it was just really cool. But then the money started to run out. And some of the community went to the township hall and donated money to make sure the candy bars were still given out. 
More and more people contributed, and for the past 50 years, every child in Lexington has always gotten a full-size candy bar, and when everyone joined together, it made a huge difference. The story reminds me of the early beginnings of Clarkston United Methodist Church. People began to settle here in 1832 in this spot of land, this area, and the village was designed in 1840, got its name in 1842, and the church began to meet in 1840. First, they built a building uh, in 1841 on the corner of Buffalo and Church Street. Now, at the time, that building had no windows, and if you had to go to the bathroom, you went to the pastor's house. In 1873, they built a new building with windows. That's the building, the home now, that's still there. In 1957, the community was expanding, Clarkston was expanding, and so they recognized that they probably needed to expand too. And so land was donated here for a new building. In 1961, the congregation walked from the old building down to this land And in 2017, the same thing happened. We recognized that the school, that the community had been changing, that there were needs, and so we expanded our building. In 2017, we added a gym and a food pantry and a gathering space for people to gather and come together. When you seek to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, you do what it takes in order to be the salt and be the light. Over and over again, this church has changed to do the work of God in this community. When you seek to be the light of the world, you join together and shine. Now, in 1840, when that first small group of people started to meet, do you think that they knew that 182 years later, the light would still be shining brightly? that we would have expanded to meet the needs of the community and serve 40 families a month through our food pantry, that we'd help hundreds of people in Flint through sleeping bags for the homeless, that we would bless thousands of people through Night of Blessings, that we would pack 1,200 lunches a year for the NOAA project in Detroit, that we would provide Christmas for 30 families in our community every year, that we would make transportation possible for those living with physical disabilities in third world countries, that we would welcome hundreds of kids to VBS every summer so that they might come and learn about God's love that we would teach children about mission through angels and trainings and provide tailored curriculum to the varying needs of our children in Sunday school, that we would engage youth in in mission all summer long and that we would send youth on an annual mission trip and this year that we would be sending them to Alaska and that we would have middle school mission trips every summer and that kids would come for special days where they would go and serve and play and that church would be filled with youth voices every Sunday night and that they would play and pray and grow together and that kids would be putting on musicals and uh, tell us about Bible stories through their singing and that we would have a handbell choir and a chancel choir and that music would take us to that that thin place between heaven and earth like the choir did today. Do you think that they knew that there would be 450 people watching our worship every week online and 250 to 300 in person that we would raise tens of thousands for missions in just one event, even though there's a football game at the same time, 
that we would open our doors and our parking lot to the community and that hundreds and hundreds would, of people would come for those community events and that we would be growing in discipleship through a variety of classes and small groups and that friendships would be made that span the decades and generations would raise their families here. Now that's just off the top of my head. There are many for more things that we do. I don't know if they knew but I know that they believed in being the light of the world and that when we are willing to do that, when we all shine our light together, then the light of Christ shines and ministry happens and lives are changed and we make a huge difference for years and years and years to come. So maybe they did know. Because of them and God working through them, Now we rise to shine together in this moment of generosity challenge that we might be the light of the world for years to come. Generosity. I listen to NPR. I like the shows on Saturday and I listen to the news in the morning, but I hate the pledge campaign. I really do. Now, I don't stop listening then, but I moan and groan as together those in my car and I recite 888-258-9866. Do you know why I hate it? Because I feel guilty. I haven't given very much to NPR, and I don't like that week-long reminder. That's why... We have this time, but all year long we talk about generosity because it's a value here. And so we practice it all year long because we don't want you to feel like once a year you're listening to a pledge campaign that makes you feel anxious or guilty or pressured. Generosity in the church isn't supposed to be like NPR or your club membership. Generosity in the church is about being the light of the world. It's an expression of our discipleship. And it's why we approach giving not as, I'm asking you to fill this need, but as you asking God, how should you give? And seeing the huge difference that God can make when we all give. Now, so often I'm tempted to come up here and apologize and say things like, this isn't about guilt and I'm not trying to pressure you. And I feel a little guilty. (laughs) But I shouldn't feel guilty about asking you to give because my job as your pastor is to encourage you to grow in discipleship, to give your best to God and to help you fulfill your God-given potential. And I know that asking you to make a pledge at this time when there's uncertainty in the economy and we are afraid is pretty bold of me. But I also know that we are a people of hope and faith who put our trust in God. The reality is that generosity helps us all to achieve God's purpose in ourselves. By giving, we develop the inner qualities of generosity for we are created in the image of God who is indeed extravagantly generous. And so I'm asking you to prayerfully consider a next step in your giving. Perhaps you have never made a pledge before and this might be the first time that you do that. Perhaps... um, You give a percentage, or you want to give a percentage of your income for the first time, and decide what percentage works for your budget. Maybe you've been doing that for a while, and you'll consider raising it a percentage or two. Maybe you want to try tithing, giving 10%, or maybe 
even giving more than 10%. However you choose to give is between you and God. And when we pray the prayer, God, how are you calling me to give? God provides the answers. And the reality is, when we all give together in all the forms that we do, we make a huge difference as we rise and shine as the light of the world. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.